Welcome, friends, to my Discipleship Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Chu, and each episode is designed to build your faith and help you discover your purpose in life. Now, enjoy today's message. Chapter 4, Number 1, God The Bible says in Genesis 2 and verse 15, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden. This is the first essential characteristic of a real man and the foundation of all five characteristics. A real man must have a personal relationship with God. Ladies, your first question when you meet a man should be, tell me about your relationship with God. Men, you must make God the number one priority in your life. Who was the first human being in the Garden of Eden? When we read Genesis 2 and verse 15, we see that the man was the first human being placed in the Garden of Eden. The woman was not yet formed. I'm not implying that men are better than women. Adam was given the responsibility for the Garden of Eden. God was setting things in order on the earth for a specific purpose and reason. God creates this beautiful, amazing place called the Garden of Eden. It's interesting to think that today, archaeologists cannot find the Garden of Eden. The Bible describes the location at the conjunction of four major rivers, two of which exist today, the Tigris and the Euphrates. Some scholars located in the Persian Gulf, others seek a location in Africa where the first humans are said to have appeared. You must understand that Eden was not just a physical place, but also a spiritual atmosphere. The word Eden means delightful spot, place of pleasure, or open door from heaven to earth. Adam was placed in the Garden of Eden, a spiritual and delightful place representing God's presence. Understanding the spiritual importance of the Garden of Eden leads us into the first essential key. A real man must have a relationship with God. He must walk in God's presence. Spending time in the presence of God is foundational for the life of a believer. Moses understood the importance of God's presence when he said, If your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. Exodus 33 and verse 15. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and God talked to each other. They had communion and fellowship. It was a place of worship. God and Adam spent time together. Adam had a personal relationship with the Creator. This is a principle that we see throughout the Bible that God made us in His likeness to be in His presence and to have fellowship with us. This is one of the many unique things about Christianity as compared to any other major world religion. Christians believe God Almighty, Creator of the universe, desires a personal relationship with us. It's truly amazing. The Bible says in Psalm 27 and verse 4, One thing I have desired of the Lord, That will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. In Psalm 27, David declares that he has only one real need, to be in the presence of God. All other things pale in comparison. Your relationship with God should be the most prized possession. Nothing should get between you and your relationship with God. 
If anything does get in your way, you'd be better off to get rid of it, crush it, or remove it from your life. There's nothing more important than to spend time in the presence of God. What do I mean by spending time in His presence? I'm talking about a daily time set aside where you regularly can get quiet and read the Bible. In prayer, you talk to God, write in your personal journal, meditate on your life and purpose, and then just quietly listen to whatever God wants to say to you. If you're not spending time in the Word of God, you're missing out on one of the ways God can speak to you. It is vital. It is life-giving. I know that I need help from God. I can't live a day without Him. Admitting you need God is not a sign of weakness. It is a sign of strength and maturity. Real men know they need God every day, and they welcome His help and divine guidance in all they do. Ladies, this should be at the top of your list when dating or considering marriage. Does this man prioritize his relationship with God? Does this man spend time in God's presence? One of the first questions I will ask any young man that wants to date, court, or marry one of our three daughters is, tell me about your relationship with God. Do you fellowship with God? It's always a sad story when a woman who walks in God's presence gets married to a man who does not. After the honeymoon, she is mad at her husband because he does not go to church. On Sundays, he stays home and watches football, and the wife goes to church by herself and is angry at her husband and mad at God. This is poison to a marriage and to the wife's fellowship with God. I mentioned earlier that the three common arguments in marriage are about money, sex, and religion. A man and woman should discuss and agree on their faith in God and their church preferences. Otherwise, this will cause division and strife in a marriage. I accepted Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior in 1991, and I've made it a spiritual discipline to spend time in God's presence daily. Through all the ups and downs of life, it's absolutely necessary to have fellowship with God. When I wake up in the morning, I thank God for watching over my family and me. I ask God to help me to be pleasing in my thoughts, words, and actions that day, as it says in Psalm 19 and verse 14. My wife and children know that if they want to find me in the morning, between 5 a.m. and 7 a.m., they can find me in God's presence. I'm either in my office, studying the Bible, walking around the house praying, listening to worship, or outside for my morning God time prayer walk. They know it's my habit, it's my priority, I do it all the time. Seeing me, they learn the good practices of daily Christian living. Hopefully, I'm setting an example for my daughters to not consider dating or marrying a young man who does not fellowship with God. Do your children see you spend time with God? A good place for a man or woman looking for a spouse is in an environment that fosters God's presence, a worship service, a home Bible study, or a prayer meeting. A woman may meet a man elsewhere, of course, but how does she know he'll be a devoted Christian if they marry? Will he attend church after you're married, or will he instead stay home, watch sports, 
work in the yard, play golf, or go down to the local pub. Chances are, if you met in God's presence, he'd be the kind of man who cherishes his Christian walk and makes it a priority. Wedding example. In a traditional Western wedding ceremony, the bride walks down the aisle with her father. The spiritual significance is that the daughter is walking in God's presence because her earthly father walks in God's presence. Then the minister will ask, Who gives this woman to be married to this man? The father then commits his daughter to the groom, who also walks in God's presence. It would be irresponsible and heartbreaking for a father to see his daughter go from a house where God's presence dwells into a new home that is void of God's presence. Worship The Garden of Eden was a place of worship. A real man loves to worship the Lord. When we hear the word worship, we often default to singing songs to the Lord. While I enjoy singing songs to the Lord, let me explain worship. I will often ask church worship leaders if they can tell me one of the first mentions of worship in the Bible. I have not had one worship leader give the correct answer. Often they will guess the book of Psalm. One of the first mentions of the word worship in the Bible was in Genesis, when God told Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac on the altar. In Genesis 22, we read about Abraham's life-defining moment, when God gives him a test that I'm not sure I could pass. I'm amazed at Abraham's faith and instant obedience. God told him what to do. There was no delay. There is no account of Abraham praying and asking his friends for their opinion. In verse 3, Abraham got up early the next morning to go and do what God told him to do. It says in Genesis 22, verses 1 through 5, Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah, go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day of the journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told his servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there. Abraham said they were going to Mount Moriah to worship. I don't believe they were going up the mountains to sing songs. Worship is a lifestyle of reverence, obedience, and submission to God. Singing songs is just an outward expression of our inward worship to God. The Hebrew word for worship is shakah, meaning prostrate oneself before Yahweh, fall down before God in humility, bow down in reverence, submit to God's will. A real man will sing and worship God, declaring his grace and mercy in their lives. They let their families hear and see them doing this. They are unafraid, unashamed, to praise and even shout the name of Jesus. Ladies, if you meet a man who does not enjoy worship, 
I encourage you to leave that man alone. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 2 and verse 8, I desire, therefore, that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands. Another outward expression of worship is lifting up your hands in surrender and reverence to God. A real man of God is not ashamed to raise up his hands in church during worship. You might say, but Brian, that is not my style. I'm a shy type. I don't like to be on public display. I understand why you might say that, but are you shy at ball games? Do we hesitate to cheer when our team scores, especially in a close game? When I watch my favorite baseball team, the New York Yankees, I jump up and scream, shout, and celebrate big time. Men will watch sports on television and go to a football game and shout, cheer, dance, lift their hands for their favorite sports team. But then we come to church and sit there with our arms crossed or hands in our pockets. Sure, it's exciting when your favorite sports team wins, but when you consider all that God has done for you, for your family, for your livelihood, don't you get excited? I have to lift my hands, raise my voice, sing out loud, and celebrate His goodness and mercy to my family and me. He is a good God and worthy of praise, even if it makes you uncomfortable. Believe me, the more you praise Him, the less inhibited you will feel. It's good for you. Our youngest daughter, Sienna, told us after church one day that none of the boys in children's church lifted up their hands during worship or prayer. Sienna said that she and several other girls lift up their hands to God in the children's church. I explained that it's not the boys' fault. Most likely, they have good dads, but they probably do not see their dads lifting up their hands in church and they probably do not have times of worship in their house. I was honored to be a guest speaker at a men's breakfast at a rather large church. This men's group was well established and had been meeting for 20 years. The food was great, and I met some very nice men that morning. Before I spoke, they had a worship time, and it was interesting to see only five guys raise their hands during worship. That morning, I was talking about the five essential characteristics of a real man. I challenged the men and taught them what it means to worship God and why we should raise our hands to the Lord. As the meeting came to a close, we had another worship time and almost all the men raised their hands to God. Many dads will teach their sons how to fish, play sports, and fix a car, which is good, but are they teaching their sons the importance of worship? I do not have any musical talent. I can't sing or play an instrument. My wife Melissa can barely clap her hands on beat. Thank God for technology that allows me to turn on one of our many media devices and have instant worship in my personal or family devotion time. I remember speaking on this concept at a men's conference and I gave all the men permission to tell their wives they are going to be the worship leader in their home. I also told them they can go out and buy a big television with top-notch sound system so their families can spend time in worship. I enjoy going to church on Sunday, but we have worship in our own home every day of the week. I do my best to keep our home as a place of worship, where God's presence is always welcome. Set the conditions in your home or car or place of business each day 
to encourage worship and fellowshipping with God. In this way, you can stay in God's presence. The Bible says in Psalm 1611, in your presence is fullness of joy. I want to close this chapter and address the serious issue of abuse, the man abusing the woman. First of all, if you both are dwelling in God's presence, I don't see how abuse can even occur. When God is in your midst, there is no room for abuse. But I must be clear here and say that it is never okay for a man to physically, verbally, or emotionally abuse his wife. No justification exists. If you both met and live in God's presence, abuse will have no place. I'm not saying it's impossible, but I am saying it's incredibly unlikely. Thus, you both should strive to stay in God's presence each day. Keep God foremost in your daily lives. Summary of Chapter 4 Number 1. God A real man must have a personal relationship with God. A real man spends time in God's presence. A real man must love to worship God, and he lifts up his hands to God. Thank you, friend, for listening to my Discipleship Podcast. You can visit my website and send me your prayer requests and feedback. And to get more of my discipleship resources, visit our website at www.nowhope.org. Until next time, I pray that you will stand strong in your faith.